Hey there, folks. Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous podcasting champs and feel the power of episode number 80, the first episode of 2017, uh, featuring my personal GFOP, wholesale manager at Utica Bread and Maiden Utica wine correspondent, Alyssa Dibble. So pop the corks, folks, and get ready to talk about the future. Sick bay here at here at Utica yeah, Studios. I mean, you're sick as hell. It's disgusting being this close to you right now. You're all like, <laughs> I'm no longer contagious. I'm. You know what happened here? In, your, in what your expert medical opinion? You're in no longer contagious. Ex- okay, yeah, that feels good. That's strong. No, look, I, I said it to a buddy of mine today. When I, I had to go back to work today. My vacation ended on Monday. I just had to be at the office today. Uh, but I think I've gotten to that point in time in my sickness that I get to all the time. Where I'm just giving up on being sick. I have too much stuff. I have too much stuff to do, and now I'm not sick anymore. That's fair. Um, that being said, I'm getting a little frustrated that I'm not better. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to be better, and it'll be like a, like it'll be like 25, 30 minutes. I haven't thought about it, and then all of a sudden I'm like, why can't I breathe? Oh, that's right, because my head is clogged up. Hang on a minute. Let me go deal with this. It's true. And then we'll come back to reality. But welcome back, folks. Episode number eighty. Uh, my good friend, GFOP, uh, Alyssa Dibble. I uh, worked with her at Taylor and the Cook. Uh, she's the wholesale manager at Utica Bread. Uh, and she's also one of our wine analysts here at Maiden Utica. She, she did a really, really interesting article about Riesling a couple of weeks back that's uh, definitely worth reading. It was excellent. How do you feel about Riesling? You white wine man? Um, all I know is that one line from the Kanye West song where it says he's beasting off the Riesling. And I'm way into that. I like, uh, I tend to really, if I'm, I'm not always a wine guy. I don't have a problem with wine. It just tends to be one of the last things I reach for generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my list of wines, I tend to like drier wines as opposed to sweet wines. Yeah. A lot of whites tend to be sweet. I like a nice dry white wine, but rarely do I find myself in a situation where that's something I get. I don't have a beef with it, right? I've got no yeah. problem with it, but I don't really get it. You know what I mean? I said it to you during the interview, so I won't get too in depth about this, but I grew up in a family that made wine in our like basement. Like, yes. my, my grandfather and my dad made wine. They right? still make that wine? Uh yeah. Yes and no. They, I know grandpa's getting kinda old. He's to getting a little carried on and all that. He don't have the he don't have the mental cognitive status to really remember what he's doing anymore down there unless sure. he's getting his hand held. So I guess yes and no. They probably do they do smaller batches now. It used to be a much more um uh, a much larger undertaking, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. But that wine was always, look, everyone likes the stuff their family makes, right? The Famolaro brand wine is pretty much like gasoline or battery. It's really, (laughs) it's brutal. It's intense. You don't get drunk off. I remember you brought that gallon jug of the dandelion wine one time. This was year, this was probably a clean decade ago at this point. (laughs) The dandelion wine, (laughs) classic. Uh, yeah. It was that, nice, though, because you gave me bottles a couple times. It's, like, real impressive. Like, you invite some girl for a date. Like, oh, yeah, this comes from, you know, my friend's family vineyard. I mean, 
to be fair, it's a basement in North Utica. Yeah, South Basement. My, my friend's family vineyard sounds a lot better. My dad actually has uh, labels that he printed out to put on in case he really wants to impress somebody. But generally, they just give you a bottle with no label on it, which is kind of a power move as well. Um, so we are going to talk a lot about wine with Alyssa, so I don't want to go too heavy onto this. A couple things I want to point out very quickly. Uh, Mara is not here this week. Mara, even worse than me, is suffering... Uh, through this disgusting head cold, stomach cold virus. That's what happens, you know. You, you work real closely together with somebody, you pass along the sickness. It's true. You pass it oh. along. You hand, I handed it off. My ha- my family handed it off to me, uh, and I handed it off to everybody I knew, and now everybody I know has it, and somehow it's going to get passed back to me after everyone gets better. See, I don't know, man, because I was sick like a week before you were, so you might have got it around the house, too. You might get it again because you're around it again. False. No chance. <laughs> don't have time. Uh... So we're going to do, because Mara's not here, we're only going to do two segments today, sort of an oh, abridged light episode. Lifting. Well, it's, it's well, the new year, too. Everybody's worn out from the new year. The holidays are finally over. I feel like starting like January 2nd, like once you start really digging in and all the holidays mm, are over. Mm. Well, I got to say, you know, it didn't really feel like a new year to me today. That's my thing. I, I keep hearing people on the internet with like the hashtag like, New year, new me. Have you seen that one yet today? No, I stay away. <laughs> I swear, I look at Facebook maybe once a week. It's a sewer. <laughs> if anything has changed yet about 2017, I can say no, it hasn't because I still hate Facebook. I still hate to go on there. It's still full of idiots. I was hoping that was going to magically change, and it didn't. Um, I still have a hard time reading the news. That didn't change at all. Um, I still think 2016 sucks, so that that's that's a positive. That didn't change, it's over. I guess. It's over now. It's over. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with the change of 2017 yet. I've already screwed up one thing today by putting 2016 on it, January 1st, January 2nd, 2016. Same, I went today, I was searching, I wanted to see what new stuff came out, um, on Netflix, and so I was searching, I was mm-hmm. Googling, like, towards the end of my day at work today, and I Googled, like, new Netflix releases January 2016, and I was confused, i all this stuff was already on here, and then I realized, oh, wait, because it's 2017. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so let me ask you this question. Uh, we're going to get out of the vacation conversation. My vacation ended today. Holiday vacation is over. What was your one highlight of your vacation holiday season here at the end of the year? I don't know what you mean when you say vacation. I'm not familiar yeah, with that vacation. word. You didn't have a vacation. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with vacation. I'm not familiar with time <laughs> off. What was the highlight of my holiday? Yeah. Um, still the same as we said last week in the Christmas episode. Got some great news from somebody yeah. in the family. Um, some, some nice stuff. Nice development coming for the extended family and stuff like that. So that's still probably my highlight. But yeah, I would say nothing happened since Christmas that has changed my highlight of getting to spend time with the fam and doing all that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my new low light. And I don't mean this as a knock to, to you or to anyone who I spent New Year's Eve with. But there was a real, like, romantic slash poetic depressing feeling about sitting on that couch on New Year's Eve, sick as a dog, with that blanket on. <laughs> surrounded by people who are having a better time than me. And I'm just like, this is a wonderful way to start the new year. Well, like, to, hacking uh, up to be in. fair, though, like when something like that's coming, you lean into it because you like that narrative. I do like, like that you, narrative. You, you were happy to be sad boy on the couch. <laughs> you were happy to, to ham it a little bit. Milk it. No, well, you wouldn't, but I would. Milk I, it. <laughs> uh, so since we're since we're here in a new year, let's start the new year like we start every year with some shameless shameless self promotion of the Uticast and Made in Utica Hell in yeah. general. Uh, if you guys checked it out, uh, you should. Made in Utica put out their 2016 story of the year, uh, and they chose the sign lighting at the brewery, uh, which seemed like a good choice. Uh, a couple other 
ones that were up there we were talking about. Down in Hospital was a big story, 2016. Nano, obviously, was a big story. Uh, Paving Project, obviously, was a big story later in the year, although I feel like it snuck in kind of late. Uh, you know a bit of the inside story. How do you feel like the sign lighting has been since the start? Has it been a positive thing? Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting position for me. Sure. Because... You know, I that that sign letting party where we shut down all of Eric Street and had you know a bunch of thousands of people up mm-hmm. on the street. I coordinated that party. Yeah. I coordinated that event. Great event, and that was awesome. Yeah. That was one of the coolest nights I've ever had in this mm-hmm. city, and it was amazing. And the magic and the vibe that was going on on the night, because of the job that I have, I talked to a lot. Of, I talked to hundreds yeah. of people that night, you know, individually, and there was a really special magical vibe that I've rarely ever seen anywhere. And so that was great, and that was really cool, and hopefully there's going to be a Utica Club Day again this year, where obviously the sign won't be getting relit, um, but another block party like that and everything, so hopefully that becomes a cool tradition. Um, I thought that it was cool, because even though, you know, I work at the brewery, and I'm one, you know, one of the board of directors, you know, started the main Utica with, with everybody else, so it's a weird conflict of interest to sit here and give my thing, and so I didn't really have any input on Story mm-hmm. of the Year, I'm glad that was picked for it, and the reasons that Justin gave me when he was talking to me about it, just the idea that, like, in all those other stories you mentioned, the story of you, you can talk about all these different negative things that happened, the community vibe and the level of coming together yeah. and the yeah. cheers that went up when that sign turned on, the way that everybody was hanging out was... I, it made in Utica, we always made a point to try to focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we get a knock. People are like, oh, you're ignoring this, or you're not talking about this bad thing or whatever... Look at we started this to focus on the positive. You can walk out, you walk outside your house, look left or right, and find somebody who wants to talk negative about something going on for in sure. the city. That's always one of our big problems, and I think that's a cool choice for the story because it's such a positive, feel-good story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that that fits very well with you know the mission statement of Maine Utica. I think it was a really cool night for the city that probably got overlooked by the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that was the thing that I more than anything else, it took me a minute to think about it. I was like, oh. Yeah, I guess that is because my first thought was to go to like, well, downtown hospital, nano, uh, paving plan, things that people talked about all year long that I we ended yeah. up sort of rehashing over and over again. But I don't know if those are highlights of the year no. for me. Those are just ongoing well, stories. And you can find plenty of people out there on social media talking about those things gleefully, being like, "Ha ha, see, told you, everything's the worst." Yeah. And like, okay, cause, you know, neat. Thank you for your positive contribution. You know, there's plenty of coverage like that. So it was cool. I thought it was a good choice. And I thought it was very on brand of what we've tried to do with Made in Utica to pick something that was so positive and so inclusive for people. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought story of the year, pretty good. Uh, I want to get into some things I got in a little K-hole this morning, though. I want to talk about the future a little bit. You like the future? You thought thoughts about the future? Future seems fine. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the future. Uh, and I got into this K-hole today on Reddit, uh, reaching about, what, you don't like that term? That's not that's not the term. No? No. Deep dive? Deep dive is better. Wormhole. Wormhole. Wormhole would be what you're looking for. I see. You like not. to use K-hole, but that's not what like, that it's is. It's a different thing. Yeah, no, I it know. It is a different I know. thing. I got to stop using that I one. I thought I would necessarily know, but from what I've heard, very different. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go down the wormhole. I got down the wormhole today. There you go. Uh, talking about uh, futuristic things and technology of the future. So I thought this would be sort of fun. Uh, again, this is all speculative. I read this on Reddit. So if you like Reddit, if you like their if you like their storylines, where they get their stuff from, you'll like it. If not, you can sit here and tell me how it's all wrong. That's fine. I don't care. Um, 
So these are some general ideas of future technology that's either been speculated in these years coming or right around these years. So I'm going to give you a couple years in the future and a couple technological advances. You tell me if you like it or if you think it's unrealistic or we'll Love go from it. there. All right. So they are saying that by 2019, we're going to have eye-controlled technology. Uh, advances in face and movement recognition software so that we can control machines just by the gesture of our eyes. Any thoughts on that? Not into it. <laughs> no, no. Not way. into it. No, no. What the hell do I need to control machines with my eyes for? I need better facial recognition than I have for. No. It's a technology for technology's sake. To quote the, the eminent um, social philosopher of the 21st century, Patton Oswalt, science. All about coulda, not about shoulda. Like, <laughs> so, that's one of those things where we can do this. Well, yeah, sure, but do we need to? Uh, well, here's one for you. By 2024, supposedly, we're going to have ingestible robots. Consumable. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Consumable microbots that repair our injuries from within. No, thanks. You don't believe in the ingestible robots? No. All you right. Eat a robot that lives inside of you and calls the shots? <sighs> All right, all right. So here's one. Okay, so how You've about not this? been watching Black Mirror? I not as much as I should have. <laughs> guess so. All right, 2026. Here's one that's a little more on brand for us. Uh, smart clothing, uh, basically uh, nano-based fabrics uh, that you know change shape and color, keep you warm and cool when the need arises. Wrong. No, not don't a fan. like it. What do I need? I got, what's what's wrong with the clothes that I have now? You know, it's a good fabric. I don't need smart fabric. You know, I like wool. I like wool, I like cotton. Big fan of wool. Denim. Big fan. Cotton poly blends. Um, now, this one is one that I saw a lot of people on Reddit kind of complaining about, which was by 2033, they're claiming that we'll have cheap solar power. Uh, the argument on Reddit Love is... It. All about it. The argument on Reddit is that we already have cheap solar power and that this is like pushing this way farther in the future than it needs to be. I don't know how cheap solar power is now. Uh, you should look into it. Solar power technology for like the average household isn't necessarily inexpensive. But um, we've made some really good strides with solar energy, specifically this last past year. There's some stuff I read, but I can't remember the exact statistics and stuff, so I'm not going to share them because I don't I don't right, remember right. well enough to say right or wrong authoritatively. But we're we're catching up to the point where solar production is taking up a lot of you know hmm. a lot of the stuff that we used to spend on coal and you know killing the polar bears and stuff like that. And um, I, I would love to see. I think that is probably a long-term timeline, but hopefully by that time we're primarily reliant on something like solar power for a lot of things that we do. They say by 2036, uh, that's when we'll get the real big next step in evolution of artificial intelligence. Now, this is like a conversation that kind of creeps me out a little bit, although I wonder if we're being a little too paranoid about the future of artificial intelligence. Or is that what the robots want us to think? That's the question, <laughs> right? And I read an interesting article, and I, I listened to it's saying... Gonna be, it's going to be tough when artificial intelligence catches up, though, to pitch it to the people, because we've all seen too many movies. So whether these movies are right or wrong, you've got a populace They're, that's horrified of, like, Judgment Day and all this stuff. There's one fundamental AI fact that I hear that makes me not like scared or paranoid but intrigued right so like okay we can get a computer that has an iq of like 100 right okay sure. fine we also have humans who have like iq of like 100 um however let's say you have a computer with like a an ai artificial intelligence with an sure. iq of like 5000 right. we don't even know what that is like we don't know what that would mean because I don't know, is there anybody who has an IQ above like that well, high? I, like, think, I think one of the more interesting things to talk about, it might be in there somewhere with, with FutureWise, you know, we don't really understand what that is. But I think, I wouldn't be surprised if you want to make like, you know, future calls on technology, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point within the next 100 years, 
um, you start to see which would have to be, you know, retroactively looked at as the next step in human evolution, where you start working in um, computers, computer programming, and AI, and interfacing it mm. with human beings, like basically layman's terms, like the concept of uploading like your entire brain and consciousness and being on like a hard drive or something like that, and then it literally becomes like post-human. Yeah, and that's the type of thing that may come, and I feel like knowing society and seeing the way that we see it, that's the type of thing that we'll do all willy nilly without thinking of the ramifications. So it's too late. Be uh, interesting to see. What else you got? Uh, 20, 2037, that will be a three D printer in every home. I think that might be into it. Yeah, I'm into that. Into it. That's I like fair. that. That's better. Uh, Twenty thirty eight. We should all have fully immersive computer interfaces like we're Tony Stark, like the ability to just pull up stuff and touch it all around you, like we're in the. Yeah, maybe. I don't buy. What do you need it for? To look dope. It, would look, it looks dope if you're uh, out there being Tony Stark, right? Uh, by 2041, we'll have legitimate holographic pets that we can take care of on our phone. That's not a pet, no. Slash holographic That's, You know what dating. that is? You know, we already had holographic pets in the 90s. They were called Tamagotchis. That's all that is. <laughs> Forget about it. No, absolutely not. Done with it. Uh, and, and then by 2050, we will all be living in the woods and using fire as light at night. Well, we destroyed the planet. And we'll stop on this last one. Uh, 2055, we will have wave top and undersea cities I've heard that one already back Way in the into 90s. That. I'm All into it. About I don't buy one. it. I feel like we have not made the necessary starting points to make that a reality that we would have had to by now. I, if there was going to be a city underwater in 2055, we would have had to start building it 20 years ago. I, the, the conspiratorial sci-fi mind says maybe we have, and you just don't know about it. Mm. You've played the Bioshock games. You know what I goes have on. Played. It's true. You know what goes it's on. It's very true. It's crazy, though, man. We really are in a time where technology is growing at such an exponential rate that it's hard to even, like, it's some almost unimaginable stuff coming down the pike. Oh, yeah. And I, I can already feel myself being, like, the old, like, you know how, like, we have, like, parents and grandparents that rage against, like, cell phones and computers? Yeah. People saying, oh, computers make the world very confusing, rah, rah. I could already see myself being one of those people about oh, yeah. some of these technologies. Like those first oh, yeah. nine you listed off sound horrifying to me. Uh, speaking of horrifying, uh, as I was in my wormhole, I actually got into a different offshoot of this, which was eight futuristic foods we'll be eating in the next 30 years. Let me guess. Was number one bugs? Number one was bugs. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. That's coming. Uh, the other one would be a couple other ones on here. Lab-grown meat, which I'm not really chill with. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, I did read, apparently, the first samples of this. They tested it. It cost $300,000 for a meatless meat patty that didn't taste very good, quote-unquote, was the... Seems like a lot. If they can get the flavor and texture right, I'm not one of those people, like, who's an alarmist about these different things and whatever. Uh, I mean, if if they make it and it works and it's been tested, that's that's fine. Uh, Algae was also on the list. About it. Uh, And then just one that says GMO everything, because that's pretty much... We already more or less do. I mean, that's 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 a really interesting conversation to really unpack, and we need to do like some reading and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. But the GMO hysteria is um, a little bit wild. It's kind of a broad term, GMO. Well, that's exactly yeah, what it is. You know too. What I mean, that's the same thing. Like when people go into stores, they buy stuff that's organic. They're like, oh well, these are like, oh these are the organic eggs. So I'm gonna get these. And you look at what you have to do to certify food organic. You're like, oh, these are just regular. These might be even worse, actually. Yeah. And it's one of those things, man. Yeah. Nobody can say us as humans and Americans are not susceptible to branding and marketing. I'll tell you what. Uh, well, here's the last one that I thought was interesting. 3D printed food. That goes into what we were talking about. 3D printed food. Is that how that works? You can, theoretically. Can you whatever. get the nutrients popped in there, though? I would imagine you'd have to... I don't know how 3D printing works well enough to understand like where... Like what you supply to make the 3D models, but it just depends on what you're using as the ink, quote unquote, right? Whatever, whatever substance you use to create the structure that you know that's comparable to the printer, 
as long as it's edible and contains a certain amount of... It probably doesn't taste very good. Yeah, I need more information. Yeah, I need more info. Um, well, anyhow, yeah, so foods from the future. I could probably get behind... I know it sounds weird. I could probably get behind the bugs thing. I feel like... Yeah, you're, other cultures eat well, bugs. It's well, not like... We're going to have to. I mean, realistically, if, if modern humans want to keep up our protein consumption, like, it's it's not sustainable. And it's not even one of those, like, like vegan, vegetarian things that these people talk about, because I'm certainly neither. Hmm. But it's not sustainable to think that we're going to be able to keep growing the population hmm. and eating as much cow, pig, and chicken as we do. Yeah. Farmed fish was also on the list, actually having farmable uh, aquatic resources and yeah, stuff like that. That's, um, that's going to be really important, too, I mean, because yeah. we're just literally destroying the ocean. Oh, Jesus. yes. Uh, spoiler alert for all you people who've never seen Snowpiercer, but that's how they feed the uh, the poor folks in Snowpiercer. They in feed Snowpiercer? Them the bugs. Yeah, Is the it? bugs. That's right. They give them the cubes. Uh, Sorry to spoil a movie that came out three years ago. It's not the whole spoiler, though, so you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Go watch Snowpiercer. It's only fun to say if you say it in that accent. As I've noticed with you talking about that movie. All right, so let's take a break before my sickness overtakes my brain. Uh, And let's get into our interview with my GFOP, Alyssa Dibble. Uh, I met Alyssa when I was working at Taylor. She makes her the fourth person on the show who's worked at Taylor. Uh, So you guys can call me a homer if you want. Uh, But to be fair, we didn't really talk much about Taylor because uh, what Alyssa does for Maiden Utica is she writes uh, our Maiden Utica wine blog posts. And she's Mm -hmm. uh, a New York State certified... WSET2 wine qualifications. She's not a sommelier. We talked about that a little bit. There's a difference, but uh, we talk a lot about New York State wines, particularly, uh, and her connection to the uh, farming table community here in Utica. So let's get to our interview with my good friend, Alyssa Dibble, a.k.a. Dr. Larix. Like my home address, so sweet distraction. feeling great i know that everyone in this house i've been referring to this house as the sick bay <laughs> everyone's had it it's gone through the house and i blame my evil nieces and nephews from out of town who mm. came in here from the midwest and brought their sickness here and spread it throughout my whole family and what i assume is the whole community and i'm sorry i'm apologizing it's their fault <laughs> I can't even everyone's laugh. getting sick i can't even laugh the way i want to because it hurts my throat uh sleep these are the joys of having to do a podcast, is they don't care. The, the listeners don't care that I'm sick. Yeah. I'm fine. Content. Wear that blanket. They, they, they can't. That's the joy of the podcast as well. No one can see that I'm I know. wearing a shawl. <laughs> Thanks for throwing me out there. It's really handsome. <laughs> how, was your, uh, how was your New Year's Eve, Alyssa? It was good. I, uh, I hung out at Nail Creek with all the Nail Creek You staff. went to the Nail Creek event, yes. I did. It was lovely. There was a decent mm. amount of people there. They sold out. Great food. 
Open bar, great drinks, uh, two great bartenders, and uh, was my buddy Mike Mack there? Mike Mack was not, not there. there. He's such a legend. I he is Mike. a pretty, he's a legend, <laughs> but he was not slinging drinks that night. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I have to say, I, I'm both happy and upset that I didn't do anything on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. One, I was in no shape to go out in public. Like I was covered up with the blanket. I think I watched a half a season of Entourage. Sorry. It was. It was not good. No, it was terrible. I barely paid attention to it. But it was, it was entertaining enough. But, uh, but I felt bad because I didn't get to go to Nail, and I wanted to really go to that. And I didn't get to go to the dev, which was like the last big dev last thing. Last call. I know. I felt very sad about that as well. It is very sad. It is sad. I love the dev. Four-year institutions. Unfortunately going to be missed. <laughs> uh, so while I have you here, uh, I don't have a byline for you, Alyssa, a.k.a. Alyssa Dibble. I, uh, I love your Twitter handle, by the way. Uh, Lyrics underscore the chemist that's very good can you all right first before we get anything i need you to explain the dr larrick's nickname am i pronouncing it wrong um no so freshman year of college my best friend (laughs) joe decided to call me larissa one time and i hated it i hated it it was the worst and everyone started calling me larissa and then i started to get used to it um and then it kind of just became my social media handle sure which I've gone back to mostly Alyssa Dibble, but uh, all my friends at college will not refer to me as Alyssa. It's mm. Larissa or Larix. And, uh, so. Uh, well, I like it. It's very good. I I think the best nicknames are the ones that you... you can't, first of you can't give yourself a nickname, and it's tough. You, you, know, you get like a 50-50 shot when th- someone throws you a nickname, whether you're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, I've had some nicknames that I don't like. They're terrible. <laughs> uh, Fama was the only one that hung around. That's mm-hmm. Because it's like it's hard to not just call me that one uh but i'm getting off track uh Alyssa, you are a local renaissance woman because i couldn't come up with a shorter byline <laughs> for you that uh, you are the wholesale manager at utica bread yes mm-hmm. yes uh you're a server at taylor and the cook and uh you write a lot of wine articles for us here at made in utica you do it all i do certainly try <laughs> <laughs> uh but let's before we get into how you got started with that let's get to know a little bit about you as a person Alyssa, where were you uh where were you born I was born in uh, Utica. Okay, so Utica child. Excellent. Um, I lived in Clinton my entire life. Clinton. Still live there. Mm-hmm. Have an apartment there. Um, my parents live there as well. Mm. Okay. I... Okay. Clinton. Now, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> um, I went to college. I went to RIT when I was 18 after graduating high school for chemistry. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I uh, did a lot of chemistry, a lot of physical chemistry and computational, okay. which is a lot of physics rather than organic chemistry. Sure, okay. Um, small molecules, organic, or not organic, but um, quantum mechanics. Okay. Um, Stuff I don't understand as a history major. Stuff that makes no sense to <laughs> People me. People frequently don't understand what I'm talking about, so... Well, before we get into that, I want to come back just a little bit. Sure. I want to talk about Clinton for a minute. You got family still in Clinton? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you only child? You got sisters, brothers? I have older sister. Um, older sister. She's 30. Mm. She's a pharmacist and also married to another pharmacist. Go. We both one day. Big Pharma. Together. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're in the Big Pharma Corps. I Big like pharma. it. Big Pharma. Big Pharma. I love it. Are <laughs> uh, you still close with your family out there? I am very close. Yeah. Um, I have a niece. She's almost two in nice. July. Nice to have nieces. And she's a sweetheart. <laughs> I love nieces better than regular kids because I can just give them back. My yeah. favorite. I vicariously live mm. through my sister. Now, uh, I've had a couple guys on here uh, from different regions that aren't necessarily Utica. I've had New Hartford people and Whitesboro people and blah, blah, blah. And I like to sort of, I like to sort of grill people a little bit about this. 
Clinton has a reputation for mm-hmm. being like uh, I don't know, like coffee house kind of vibe town. It's very like low key. Do you feel like there's a Clinton stereotype, and do you feel like you fall into that Clinton stereotype? Clinton can be known to be a little hoity-toity. Hoity-toity. That's a good word for it. I don't know if that's true, necessarily. Um, <laughs> through my high school career, I would have to agree with that. Hmm. Um, but everyone's pretty down-to-earth there, and as much as hoity-toity is, whenever there was a tragedy in Clinton, sure. the entire town would come together hmm. and, and help whoever is in need. And so it's, it's a very diverse town, and, and hmm. people are... You know, you can act a certain way, but people are who they are, and I think most of the people in Clinton are very good people, so. My thing with Clinton always growing up was I never understood the scale of Clinton as a guy from Utica, because when I think of Clinton, inherently the first thing I think of is just that one main little, like... Village green. Village green area. That's, like, the first thing you think of. But I sometimes have a hard time, like, stretching Clinton out as a as a location for what actually consists of Clinton. Yeah. My mom theoretically lives in Clinton because she lives near the breakaway. I don't think of that as Clinton. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just... Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I graduated with 144. 144. I can tell okay. you everyone's name, everyone's birthday, everyone's drama. Like, that's that's Clinton. You know everyone. What was your? What were you like in high school? Were you a punk rocker? Were you an emo kid? I was nothing like what I am right now. Oh, no. I was pretty quiet. Mm. Quiet did a, kid. Did a lot of musicals. Were you in the drama club? Yeah. Um, Not particularly the drama club, but I did all the musicals. I was okay. very into music. Um, but I was into a lot of stuff. I played tennis. Tennis. Yeah. Tennis. tennis is great. Yeah, with tennis. Um, so it it's a great place to be well rounded because they offer so many different things. Mm. So now, did you get into chemistry while you were there, or was that something as you got toward RIT that you like? How did you work? How did that work its way into your life? I'm sort of curious. I took AP Chem, mm-hmm. really, really liked it, and my goal was to follow my sister with the pharmacy or pre med. I kind of changed paths a while ago. Um, but pre-med's tough it's like it was like freshman year and I realized that that's I don't want to be in school for that long do you feel like I feel like the medical field and I have, I have lots and lots of respect for anyone who does the medical oh, field because I am 100% sure that I could not do it mm-hmm. right but I feel like the medical profession is something that your parents tell you you should do as a kid without really thinking if your kid is like meant to be because I do a lot of, like, I, I interview a lot of kids because like, of my job, right? I work in, like, high schools. And a lot of these kids, like, will say, like, yeah, I want to be a doctor, right? I was like, do you like helping people? They're like, not, not particularly. I'm like, I think you probably don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there's a... It's, uh, it's harder hospitality yeah. than what we do oh, in yeah. the restaurant. Oh, my God, yeah, because we're not saving lives. That yeah. was our famous quote, right? That was, like, the famous restaurant quote I used to get from our good buddy, Jim Franco. Yes. He used to say to me all the time. We aren't saving lives. We're not saving lives. It's one of my favorite parts about the waiting industry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you, what year did you graduate RIT? Um, 2015. I took a year off, um, and I did a internship out in Philadelphia. I worked for Johnson and Johnson for a year. Okay. That's where I got mostly all my programming skills from, and where I um was able to kind of concentrate in some some network CS stuff, um, which is how I learned a lot of data management, a lot mm. about math, and a lot about math and science and computers was really what I was doing out there. Um, and I was programming pharmaceuticals, so um, it was really intense. I worked 80-hour weeks. Huh. 
Jeez. I didn't stop working, but I loved it. Um, but I had to come back and finish my degree, which was the only reason why I didn't really stay there. Sure. sure. Um, but it was a great experience, and I learned a lot. And it was a great corporation to work for because sure. there's so many you could just get involved with. It's a terrible corporate life. But Johnson & Johnson was a great company. Hmm. Um, and it was all research and development. So it was very fun. I met a really, really great mentor there. Well, uh, that's that's excellent. I love that. I never, I never knew that about you. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, now, I'm sort of curious, though, how this all transitioned into what I sort of see in my vision as you becoming sort of a member of this little bag square community mm-hmm. that exists with the Utica Bread and Taylor and the Cook environment down there. How did you end up going from that to becoming wholesale manager at Utica Bread? I came home after college wanting a minor break, mm-hmm. just yeah. maybe a sure. half a year. I was going to go to grad school, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what I was about to take on. Um, I interviewed at the Taylor and the Cook with Tim in June. I put on my application for the job I applied for, in all capital letters, wine. Wine. <laughs> and he, he uh, emailed me back and was like, I don't have a position for you, but I like your application. I want to meet you. And it also... <laughs> We live very close to each other, so he was like, you know, we're neighbors, so I might as well meet you anyways. Uh, you know, Tim's been on the show before, uh, GFOP, Tim Hardiman, owner of Taylor and the Cook, and he is a, <laughs> uh, I don't know if we talked about it when he was on, he is a huge mark for wine. Like, that's a, just putting wine on the resume was a good way for get his attention in general. Like, that's a good, if I need to get his attention, I usually just hold up a sign that says wine on it. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> wine. like, yo, what do you need? I'm like, can I, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> no, um. That's interesting, though. Like, when did you, did you, so you were always more interested in, like, the wine aspect than, like, the other portions of the of the job, per se? I guess I should uh, step back a few steps. Sure. Okay. My last semester or two in college, after I got back from Johnson & Johnson, I started taking wine and spirit education classes. Okay, cool. So I now have a wine and spirit education trust level two. Um, it's a WSET mm-hmm. certification. Mm-hmm. And that's where my actual certifications start with wine. Okay, see, I had that written down, and I was curious to ask you, because my first thought was like, oh, that means she's a sommelier. No, that does not mean you're a sommelier, right? No, there's so much, I mean, I could technically (laughs) call myself one, but there's so much to know, and there's so much I need to learn, and you only do that in time and experience, really. Right, right. What would you? What would the process be for you from now on to to be officially like? I was. I wanted to watch that documentary on Netflix about this. There's one. Sam. Yeah, Sam. I heard it's great. Sam actually made me cry at the end. Like, <laughs> because it's true. If you think about how much knowledge you have to have to take that test at the end. Oh yeah. When these guys are blind tasting six glasses of wine, you have to know the year, the region, where it came from, mm. like all the flavor notes, mm. and you just have to know, and. It's not just your standard regions. It's not Italy. It's not France. It's the Hungarian grape that you can barely pronounce from yeah. 2013. And, yeah. and so it was very interesting to me. And um, I was able to get into even more deep into wine because of chemistry and like okay. how to actually make it. Um, it was really it was really great. I took a wine connoisseur class, which was more about the business yeah. aspect of it. And it was really great. Um, we had a speaker come in from all the different wineries, Peter Bell, um, someone from any Finger Lakes winery was mm-hmm. there. We had a fabricator come in to talk to us about how to do fermentation and fabrication tanks. So it was just a lot of knowledge. It was pretty great. Um, uh, now, you mentioned New York State Wines 
uh, here. You've done a lot of uh, article work for Maiden Utica about wines. Um, I actually just read the Riesling one you did, which is funny because <laughs> I went out and bought Riesling for Christmas for everybody afterwards. <laughs> I know, I, I like stuff. I pay attention to things. Um, no, I, I guess uh, what's interesting about New York State wines, though, and even my parents, like my mom, was always under the impression that New York State wines were not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can we talk? Can you talk a little bit about like what the negative connotations for New York wines used to be and what we think they're going to be going forward? Absolutely. Um, so most people sit down, they buy a New York State wine off the shelf, and it's sweet, mm-hmm. more sweet, and sweet. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> And a lot of this is because all these new wineries that are one to five years old, they're not ready to actually produce wine. The grapes are too young. So to make an actual wine you can put on the shelves, they have to reintroduce sugar into it, Mm -hmm. which makes that sweet, not-so-great taste, um, which a lot of people like. So if you do, great. Um, But now we have all these wineries that are more based upon science. They're working on terroir and on... um, just how to grow grapes, when to pick them, and literally every parameter that it takes to make a glass of wine. And they're producing some of the greatest wines that I've tasted from New York in a very long time. Um, We have Boundary Breaks, which is one of the foremost Riesling producers. It's Mm -hmm. a house pour at Taylor. And me, as a non-sweet lover, I love everything they produce because they produce it well. So if it has sugar, it tastes good. It's not too sweet um and then you just have a lot of different people just trying different things there's so many different grapes that are being planted from europe and things that we didn't think we would ever be able to do but because of these you know microclimates and all these different areas around the lakes and finger lakes they're able to start (laughs) producing these the microclimates thing made me laugh because i remember i've been to a couple of uh tim's uh infamous wine seminars that yes. they have every month. And they're, and they're fascinating, and I don't mean them infamously in a, in a bad way, mind you. I, I look forward to them. They're very entertaining, very interesting. Uh, I grew up in an like, Italian household, sort of. So we made wine. So I think that one of the things that, like, uh, Taylor in particular, but in general when I learn about, like, the farm-to-table movement and a lot of these, like, interesting chefs and restaurants around the world, around the United States, are doing all these crazy things. Uh, I always... It's like every time I go into Taylor, I think to myself... I know about food. I grew up <laughs> cooking food. I can make food. I know about food. And then I'll learn something, and I'll go, oh, holy shit, I don't know anything about food. I'm an idiot. These people are geniuses. And I never thought that would happen with me, to me with wine, particularly. My mm-hmm. family grew up, like, making wine in our basement, right? Like, <laughs> Italian, like, like, Merlot. It tasted like battery acid. It was <laughs> wicked like, alcoholic. You just get drunk off, like, two glasses. It's still great. I still like it. It's still great. It's, like, definitely... Tainted the way that I appreciate other wines, like, growing up. Absolutely. Uh, but I think that I was a bit overwhelmed looking at all the things that encompass winemaking, particularly just New York State wine, let alone if you expand that to, like, a larger worldwide scale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, it just seems like so much. You must just have to have this internal passion for it, which you obviously do, which is nice. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm constantly reading and writing and learning. Mm-hmm. Um I recently reached out to, I'm not going to mention his name, but a pretty pretty renowned wine blogger mm. from the United States, and he's actually been giving me some pointers, nice. which is, uh, I'm applying to my next few blog posts that are about to come out, um, just how to educate people on a level that people want to understand and not go too in-depth mm-hmm. with these these things that like most people aren't going to want to know the chemistry 
so deep, but like a nice overview of the chemistry is something people want to learn. So mm. wonderful. Um, I have to ask before we get into the last section, since I have you here, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are you drinking right now? Like what, what's on your kitchen counter right now that when you go home, you're going to be like, thank God this podcast is over. I need a glass of blank. <laughs> well, I've actually, my, my wine kick, New York state is always, is always a thing. I really, really like Merlot, Cab Franc and Cab mm. Sauv blends like mm-hmm. the MCC. It's pretty good. Two, yeah. That we have at Taylor. Um, there's a lot of different red blends that are in New York State. A lot of them also have the Lemberger grape, which we've learned yeah. about. The yes, Blau, we've talked about Blau that. Um, but right now I'm in a tequila kick. Yes! <laughs> tequila yes, I, and mezcal. <laughs> can I tell you, I had, a, I had a conversation with some friends of mine yesterday about Bloody Mary. He's like, oh, I went to get a Bloody Mary. And I said to them, have you ever had a Bloody Maria? And they said, no, that sounds gross. What is it? And I said, what? <laughs> it's... A Bloody Mary with tequila. Like, that sounds gross. I'm like, why does that sound gross? Is a margarita gross because it has tequila in it? No. It suits the flavor. Something about the Bloody Mary blends very oh, yeah. nicely with tequila. I actually uh, recently just made my first Bloody Mary mix. Oh, did you? S- straight from scratch. Peppers, tomatoes, onions, horseradish. You didn't reach out to GFOP and former podcast uh, interviewee Joe Early about I did what, not. You did I not do want him to, him to taste oh. it, though. <laughs> but uh, I used mezcal. Um, I, I don't know if I pronounced that actually the exact way it's supposed to be, but it's my new favorite. It's smoky and delicious, and it's like you're drinking an entire meal. So <laughs> when, uh, when I was living in New York, me and, my, me and my good buddy Adam Goldstein, who I reference all the time on this show, a guy I lived with down there, we, we had a big Bloody Mary cake, and that was one of our ideas. We never... Uh, came to fruition don't steal it internet uh it was (laughs) we were going to bike to a different bar in brooklyn every week and taste their bloody marys it was going to be called bikes and bloody marys we were just going to bike around brooklyn and get drunk on bloody marys and taste them all and then write a blog about it and it just turned into us getting drunk on bloody marys all the time (laughs) like the, the, the whole blogging and biking part just went out the window because we were like oh you know what sucks about this is having to bike home with a stomach full of Bloody Mary. It doesn't really, it's not conducive to good times. It's the worst about wine tasting. I mean, you can spit and drink some, but once you get to a certain point, you, you don't know what you're tasting no, anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> Your notes and, get all fuzzy and... <laughs> well, that's like, and that was the thing too, like after we do like the wine tasting seminars, especially if it's a wine tasting at the restaurant where I don't have to work the shift afterwards, it's very, very straightforward. Just like, oh, this this wine is good. The first one, you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. I'll take a little sip. And by the end, I'm like, these all taste the same. Just pour me up another one. I gotta, this is all fine. This is all good. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the final uh, section, uh, just want to give you a chance to let people know where they can reach you if they want to discuss any wine things with you. you have, like, any place they can contact you, internet, Facebook person? Yeah, my email is adibble10 hmm. at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on Twitter. Um, so I'm pretty accessible, and I'm addicted to my cell phone. So, yes. <laughs> if I have any requests, next article you do, give me a, ca- a Cab Franc article because I can't find Cab Franc anywhere right. like around here. I've had problems with it. Like I've gone to some places and not been able to find one bottle of it, and I'm my frustration uh, levels are growing. I'll work on that. Good. All right. We'll discuss. We'll talk soon. Uh, All right. It's time for the lightning round. These are the same six questions that we ask everybody who's been on the show for the last 45, 50 some odd episodes. Uh, And we're going to start right here at Lissa Dibble. First question. In the morning when you wake up, how do you take your coffee? Um, Black or with cream. What kind of cream? 
I either like skim milk or flavored creamers. I am mm. that person. I actually, we go back and forth. I like the sweet cream flavor. I'm yeah. a big fan of the sweet cream. Italian sweet cream. Italian sweet cream. That's in the yeah. blue bottle? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's it's the good. best. It's, uh, we actually got into that because I'm not even a Star Wars person particularly, uh, but when the Star Wars movies were coming out, they had all the, the coffee mates that came out with the different Star Wars characters on them, like on the logo. There was like a Chewbacca one and all the whatever. And the sweet cream one was the Boba Fett one. And it had the dope mask. And I was like, I don't even know if this tastes good, but I want this in my house. I need to own it just to have it and show it off to people. So, fair. I'm into that. Uh, all right. You're uh, a bit younger than me. I'm gauging based on everything I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you may not have had as many as me, but what was your first automobile? Well, this is a funny question as I've been through a lot of chaos yes. with my automobiles. It was a Mazda 6. Ooh. I had it for two months before it got smashed. Smashed up. Was it your fault? It was not my fault. Mm. I had I had one for a very short time that smashed up as well. 100% my fault. But yes, it's a downer. Yeah. <laughs> I've had three Jettas since then. Oh, you're a Jetta person. <laughs> I'm a Jetta girl. Do you not feel bad that Volkswagen is evil and lying to all their consumers? Doesn't bother you? You're just okay with that? That's... Man, it's the best cars <laughs> I've ever had. I know I've had three, but I ran them all into the dirt past 200,000 miles. So uh, I actually see... Oh, we have another guy who lives in this house who drives the Volkswagen. I'm just going to say it. I kind of like the older Volkswagen models that were boxier, but that's just me. I like boxier looking cars. I think we should go back to the square cars. I liked I liked my 03 that I just got rid of a lot. It was my favorite car. Yeah. And now I have an 09. I don't like any of the newer models, no. but I agree. No. Uh, you may or may not have taken uh, your Mazda 6 to see it, but what was your first concert? Blue Oyster Cult when I was no. 17. I don't believe you. In Hannah Park. Nope, I don't believe it. Why? You waited till 17 and then you came out for Blue Oyster Cult. You a big fan? Buck Dharma's pretty awesome. <laughs> I actually, one of the few songs I can I like to shred on guitar is Burden for You. It's a yes. lot of fun to play on guitar. Absolutely. Not the whole song, just the, the one part that everyone really likes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, similar line of questioning. Uh, give me one book. Album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? I'm obsessed with Taylor Momsen, who's the, from the band The Pretty Reckless. The she just Pretty Reckless. She just came out with a new album, Who You Selling For? Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. It's very, very different in terms of rock genres, every song. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of articles out about it. Really good ratings. I recommend. I saw you on Twitter talking about that. I'll have to, I'll have to take a look around on that. Uh, it might be the answer to this next question as well. I'm going to set the scenario for you. You are the WWE Women's Wrestling Champion, and you are walking down the aisle to the ring. Uh, the fans are cheering your name. You're getting ready to put the beat down on your opponent. What theme song is playing in the background as you make your way to the ring? I would have to say I really like Heart. Heart? Barracuda. Barracuda. All right. It's a baller song. <laughs> it's a good one. That's another good guitar riff to play uh, if you're ever just hanging out. All right. And besides uh, besides farm table cuisine, uh, wine, blue oyster cult, uh, Mazda 6's coffee and New York State wines, give me something else that you, Alyssa Dibble, are passionate about. I'm a pianist. I Ooh. play the piano. Um been less on my radar this past year as I've been working yeah. a lot, but I'm yep. trying to get that back into my mm-hmm. life. That's one. That's the one instrument that I feel the least confident on. I mm-hmm. grew up like as a musician guy, so I, I'm. You can put me in front of an instrument and I can pick out like notes and melodies, but in general, I feel the least comfortable at piano. It's very intimidating. 
Mm-hmm. It was more intimidating than lot. drums. Drums was less intimidating because there's no notes. You can just hit stuff. <laughs> it's, it's true. It took me... I've been playing since I was six, so... Yeah, well, I've got. Okay, oh, so you're like are I've you got of, training. So you're one of these people who's like really good, but you're too like oh no, I'm I'm pretty good. I've been playing since I was six, but I'm only you probably like played me under the table. You're disgusting, right? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, uh, you can follow uh, Alyssa on Twitter at Lyrics underscore the Chemist. Uh, I'm looking forward to your next wine article. Uh, whenever you're not feeling sick, I know. I'm sorry that my niece and nephew gave you the sickness. I apologize. Yeah. That's all right. That's okay. I'll, I'll yell at for you. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. right barracuda by heart you know what's weird there's a weird reference to that song uh jimmy world the guy that's who's the guy from jimmy world jim atkins he's the main guy from jimmy world uh yes he always plays that on his guitar like when he's goofing around on stage i read he loves barracuda by heart big fan <laughs> of that song a lot of people do uh and you know i talk about the the theme song game a lot because it's been a lot of fun for me to do it with people as the interview but one of the downsides about doing it is it leads to an increase in my internet piracy because a lot of these songs I don't own and I'm certainly not going to pay money for. I know that's no, kind of... No, no, no that's not kind of anything. I know that that's edgy to talk about piracy now. Not even. Not even. <laughs> it's false edge. Like, oh, look at me. I'm just pirating tunes. Of course pirating tunes. 2017, we're all pirating. Can I say... You know, and I don't even know if people do pirate anymore because I feel like a lot of people have just gone to the Spotify model or just I pay like, my nine bucks a month. I never have to think about it. I get everything yeah. I want all the time. Yeah, but I wonder, do people even get busted for piracy anymore? Did anybody ever get busted in the first place? I got the I got the stop and desist later once. Yeah, I got a cease and desist once too. What, what I didn't was it? Cease or desist? No, neither. Did uh, I. The movie Up in the Air. Uh, George Clooney, George Clooney, Pilot? and uh, Anna Kendrick and Vera oh, Farmiga. Smart. Where yeah, he's like a pilot and traveling, and they like, can't find love because he's so handsome and traveling. And uh, it's a good movie, really enjoyable to watch. I uh, thought it was very interesting. I liked it quite a bit. Um, rather marry Vera Farmiga or Anna Kendrick. <sighs> Tough call. No nah, man, Anna Kendrick. Yeah, I, she's, Anna Kendrick she's has special. a piece of my heart forever. Um, no, yeah, but it was, but it was weird that like out of all the movies I've downloaded, like all you know. Like big tentpole, huge studio movies, mm. and like you know Batman and you know Marvel stuff, and all these different like colossal movies that come out. The one I got a letter about was like this weird like Sundance semi indie like <laughs> off B level George Clooney movie. I'm like, really? That's the one you're gonna send me a letter about? Like I downloaded all the Oscar movies, and this is the one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was uh, Cabin in the Woods, that horror movie, that mm-hmm. super meta horror movie, which I actually really enjoyed, but it just struck me as odd. I'm like, for all the stuff over the years. Like, the stuff that I downloaded that had just come out, like screeners and things like that back in the day. You're going to hit me on this movie? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I, I'll eventually break down and get away from, just go to Spotify. I think the problem is I still have all the Apple devices. Like, it seems sort of pointless for me to get rid of everything I've been doing for the last five years now. 
uh, until none of my stuff works anymore. So I think once this iMac dies and my iPhone dies and I move on, although I did remember last week when I was on the show kind of saying how I wanted to buy a Google Pixel. That was my next thing. Yeah. I read the reviews for it and apparently they're terrible. So now I'm I'm back off into the... Into what made the, you want to buy the Google phone? I don't know. Google has no track record with phones. I was hoping maybe it would be like uh, out of the box, like a young Brando, just walk in and win the, win the hearts of millions. Do you know what I mean? Just like... I thought maybe they had seen what everyone else had done wrong. Like, let's just do what everyone else had done I don't think wrong. your reasoning for buying a phone, your first explanation for why I don't phone, the sentence should not include the words young Brando. <laughs> I don't think that if that's, if that's in your first uh, sentence man. for reasoning for one of my technology product, I think maybe you haven't done enough research. Maybe not. Yeah, you know, young Marlon Brando. Google phone. My, you know what it is? What? I, okay, so I'm going to ruin this for my mom because she, 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 my mom told me what she's buying me for Christmas or for my birthday. My birthday's coming up and it'll be next week, actually. Oh, next week. shit. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, so Find some crap around the house and wrap so up here. she bought me, yeah, I know, right? Uh, so she basically, hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, so basically, she bought me the portable microphone that goes into my iPhone 6. Oh, you know, I'm glad because I was going to do that. Don't do it. She bought no, it. No, I'm right. not going to. Yeah. Um, I was going to do that for Christmas. Oh. But I didn't. Well, now she's getting it for me. But now it's like, all right, well, now I'm on a time limit with this phone now, too, right? Like, because once we go to the iPhone 7, I don't know if it still works the same way. Probably not. I don't know if it... No, I don't know. It doesn't plug into the, the non-existent headphone jack, so I guess it doesn't matter. But still, is the charging port the same? Uh, the, probably not. I don't know what these people do. I've abandoned yeah. it. The 4S was... Mm-hmm. I was done. I'm never going back. Apple actually had a pretty bad, uh, bad start to the year, as well as kind of having a bad end of the year. I don't know if you read anything about this story, and I'm, I'm only going to bring it up briefly. Uh, are you familiar with Consumer Reports? Uh, yeah. What's your What's your first thought when you think of Consumer Reports? Because um, I have a very specific thought about it. The type of thing that old folks old take folks. as the Bible, and that you can probably pay for positive coverage if you're a company the size of Apple. Okay, cool. Cool. I first think of when I was a kid, my grandfather, old folks, used to get consumer reports, and I would always look forward to when they would do the car reviews, because yeah, I used yeah. to like looking through the thing and looking at what all the best cars were. I don't sure. know. I, I just always liked it. I don't know why. It had that really cool, like, mm-hmm. dot system, and, you, and they did all sorts of weird stuff, right? Like, that was what I enjoyed about it. Like, they'd be like, what's the best chain steakhouse based on whatever? So, anyhow, uh, consumer reports earlier this year... Uh, Decided that for the first time in MacBook's existence, they were not going to recommend the new MacBook. Uh, now, I don't know if this matters because they're still going to sell a billion of them. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because the same thing that you sort of said. Well, a company like Apple could just sort of pay for them to give them a good review, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's what Apple not tried to do, but they basically got the review back from Consumer Reports and said, well, can you retest it? Can we try this again and see if, you know, like... This was an outlier. Mm-hmm. And I got, I kind of got some respect for Consumer Reports because they just said, nah, no, nah, we're good. We're just not going to recommend it. Uh, makes me have a little respect for Consumer Reports after thinking they were shills mm-hmm. for as long as they were. So good well, for them. They, they, you know, then they may still be shills. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I think what you're starting to see is a little bit of a sea change where Apple is, everybody's sort of starting to catch on yeah, a little bit. And whether it's that other companies are catching up to Apple or the public is catching up to... You know what I mean? To looking past, like, real slick commercials and really good product placement, like, whatever it is. I think you're starting to see Apple come back down to earth a little bit. Oh, yeah. And they've had a tough year. And it's crazy, too, because with their interface and with their products, like, for as much as I'll be the first guy to put somebody up against the wall and tell you why I don't think that 
Apple's the greatest thing that's ever existed and why I think that like the fanboys are a mm-hmm. little bit weird and it's a little strange and my beefs with their products and everything, their aesthetics and their ease of use of their, their of their operating systems is still incredible. Oh yeah. And it's crazy because Apple could put everybody else out of business if they could pull their head out of their own ass just a little bit, and if they could stop nickel and diming people and trying to milk every last dollar out of the sponge, like, I get it, the point of business is to make as much money as possible, but you guys make plenty. If you could chill out for just a little bit, you would have left everybody in the dust, and nobody would have room to catch up, so it's your own fault, and their arrogance will be their eventual, not undoing, they're certainly not going to go out of business, but that will be what makes them just yeah. another also-ran. I'm going to tie this into the history lesson we haven't done yet today, but uh, matter of fact, on this day in 1977, 40 years ago, uh, January 3rd, Apple actually incorporated. This is the 40th year anniversary mm-hmm. of Apple, which I'm kind of glad we're talking about this today. I honestly, and I honestly think this based on a lot of the internet research I've done and a lot of the reviews and stuff I've read, I really think that if this year there was any phone, any phone that people could agree on that was good, Apple would be in a lot of trouble. Their biggest thing this year is there's really nothing out there that's better than the 7 right now, even though the 7's kind of a disappointment. Like, I can't think of another phone that I... Galaxy S7. That's sort of a... It's an older phone, though. They're on the way to a newer phone with that, aren't they? The S8 will be out probably this summer, but it's not too much older. They release a couple months apart from each other, but it's still... They're the same generation. It's 7. It's still 7. I don't know what it is about the the Galaxy phones or whatever. I don't... I don't know. I, I have a weird hang up on them i've never really liked the interface the way it looks it's very aesthetically unappealing to me and it's all really particular i don't know why i don't like yeah, but it. you've never the, the the trick as somebody who has a samsung phone has yeah. for a long time and will get another one until htc gets their shit together yeah, yeah um it's it's so customizable the interface isn't really a thing because your interface yeah. can be whatever you want your interface to be you know i, what I mean? feel like but that's a common sentiment right well, I, until HTC gets their shit together, or until... Like, I think a lot of people have well, Apple me, kind of waiting for someone else to get their shit together. With me, with, uh, I, you know, I no, I think the majority of people who have Apple are never going to leave. Apple mm. has become a cult of personality type thing. Sure. I would be willing to bet that... I There's no way to prove this. I would be very comfortable, and I think I would be being very conservative to say five to six out of ten people who are diehard Apple mm-hmm. folks, are only in it because of the look and the vibe of, oh, I've got an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I even see it in like, kids on my staff at work. They'll be like, oh, so-and-so doesn't have an iPhone. Like It's like a status symbol thing. It's a, it's a, cl- it's a cool yeah. kids club type thing. So I think a lot of the people who hold on to it and still have it aren't just waiting for something to be better. I think they'll never leave. Mm-hmm. I think those people actually be the last ones off the ship. The only reason I say HTC, my first smartphone was an HTC, so yeah. maybe I'm biased, but still to this day, that was my favorite phone I've ever had. I loved their product. And they just sort of got muddled in the middle a couple years ago when I was getting this yeah. Samsung, actually. My 4S was finally crapping out and I couldn't deal with it anymore. I was looking at HTC and they had doubled down on some of the wrong stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't the stuff that I yeah. cared about. Like their camera hadn't really caught up to where it needed mm-hmm. to be and a couple other things like that, which is stuff I really was looking for in a smartphone at the time. So I had to let go. Here's a real obvious take. Uh, 40th year for Apple. They've already said this year they're going to release another new iPhone. iPhone 8 is going to come out this year, supposedly. Of uh, plus modded versions of the 7. There's going to be mm-hmm. two different versions. This is kind of a big year for Apple to do something. Big 40th anniversary, big showpiece, like 10 years of the iPhone, 40 years of Apple. This is kind of a big year for them to make like a statement and say, hey guys, look, we can still do stuff, right? And it doesn't seem to be trending that way. So I'll be, I'm very interested to see what goes on for the rest of the year. It will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. And like that's one of those things, like, you know, what's a new iPhone's, what, like six, seven hundred bucks now? 
You know what I just found out about somebody who upgraded their phone? Uh, somebody <coughs> upgraded. They're on Verizon. Yep. I'm also on. Did you apparently when you go to Verizon for your upgrade, they don't give you like a discounted phone no. with a new two-year contract? Nope. They force you to try to finance it and pay interest on it mm-hmm. and roll it into your bill or something. Yeah. Either that, or you can pay like full price up front, which is unreal to me. Like, what a scam! I actually sort of miss the saccharine days of early cell phones when you would go in to get a cell phone, and what you were really hoping for was that when your contract was up, the new phones would be out that you could choose from. It wasn't like Apple or whatever. Like, there was LGs and Samsungs and Nokias and all these different types Mm -hmm. of phones. You would just sort of look around and go, which one of these phones that I can get for free with my thing is most suitable to me? The answer was always an LG Envy. Shout out to the LG Envy. What a great phone. Big fan. Um... Love that Envy. That was a great phone. That was a great, was a great phone. phone. It was a really good phone. One of the phone. best. Uh, I do have a couple other quick history lessons real quick on this day. 1954, Alaska becomes the 49th and also largest of these United States. Alaska, one of the most underrated states in the Union, I'd say. Is one of the more underrated ones. Yeah. I think because people assume it's just a desolate wasteland because it's so cold, right? Most of America is. Minnesota's it's the still same a good thing. state. <laughs> uh, 1961, uh... On this day, we broke off domestic relations with Cuba, and I feel like we're ready for an anniversary on that one, now that Trump's coming into office, aren't we? What do you mean? You think he's going to break them off again? Yeah, why not? Oh, Lord. (laughs) It's over. Cuba's been over. (laughs) Uh, And this one, uh, just from Mr. Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson, on this day in 2000, the last peanut strip uh, was released to the public uh, following the death of Charles Schultz. Um, I thought this was funny. I worked for a an insurance company that used the Peanuts mascots heavily in their logos and advertising. Mm. And then just recently, they got rid of their Rhymes logos. Rhymes with Fat Life? Yeah. There yeah. you go. Uh, and I remember working up at that building, and everything is covered in Peanuts paraphernalia. So I'm very curious to see if they had to like remodel everything once they got rid of the license. I feel like that's a waste mm. of money. Otherwise, Probably. it's just kind of irrelevant to have all this Snoopy paraphernalia yeah. all over the place. Peanuts is fine, but I was never a huge Peanuts guy. We grew up in a generation where there was Calvin and Hobbes, so peanuts seemed kind of dated. Yeah. And this isn't, and I don't, I don't, uh, this could probably be misconstrued as arrogant to some people, uh, and I don't mean it that way, but um, with, like, when you put, like, a Calvin and Hobbes and a peanut side to side together, Calvin and Hobbes is a little bit more on my reading and vocabulary level. Oh, yeah. When I was, like, a young, like, sure. late, you know, first decade of my life, like, early 10, 11, 12, maybe, it was a little bit more engaging, and peanuts seemed a little bit simple by comparison. If that makes sense. Comic strips are sort of a dead art form. Not dead, but it's sort for of sure. a oh, gonzo sure. art form, Absolutely. right? Are there any yeah. important comic strips anymore? Yeah. Um, not important in the way... The ubiquity of culture is sort of gone. Like, no longer will there be those, like, water cooler shows you used to hear about where everybody's watching the same thing or seeing the same thing. There's a ton of web comics that are very, very popular. Uh, the first one that pops right to mind is, like, Cyanide and Happiness. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other ones like that, but... Uh, comic strips have moved to the internet yeah. primarily you know what I mean because like not many people read the ones that are in the paper because who the hell even gets the paper anymore you know what I mean I remember as a kid my mom and dad used to have like books like mm-hmm. com- like old comic strips like, even as a kid I had all like these weird like Garfield comic strips well, look, I didn't really like them but yeah, they but were around. I used to Garfield was actually one of the first ones yeah. I really latched onto before Ziggies. I dug into uh, Calvin and Hobbes but, like, even, I mean, look at our house. There's probably five or six Calvin and Hobbes books tucked around here somewhere. Well, I think we're I also... I got a couple Farside books. Farside, the Farside was under, a big one. long, underrated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we I mean, know, that stuff's always What around. happened with Farside is it got co-opted by that crummy close to home, which is sort of the same kind of thing, but not as good. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of ruined my vibes for it. Yeah. Gary Larson was a genius. Yep. Um, all right, so, again, a bridge show this week. I know it's a little shorter Are we done? than normal. Are you packing it in? No, we got one more segment, okay, but uh, we're okay. going to do some uh, would-you-rathers okay. and some over-unders okay. before we close out. 
But again, thank you guys for joining us here. It's been tough, the sickness. We'll be back next week with some... It's, it's always... Every time we do this, man, it's always weird when it's like around holidays. Everybody's all over the place. Like, are we even getting the show done? Oh, by the way, I might need to do the show on Sunday next week instead of Monday. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk afterwards. A little Sunday action. Might have a little bit of Monday action going on that'll cause me to miss taping. Mm. And mm. as the guy who's never missed yeah. an episode here. Yeah. It happens sooner or later. It happens sooner or later. All right, so... Let's, uh, let's move on to this week's Would You Rathers, and I have a couple over-unders for us as well. <clears throat> Would you rather, this is a virtual reality-based question. You have a virtual reality device. Uh, Would you rather be able to relive your own past memories or revisit your own dreams? One or the other. Mm, the dreams. I already remember the memories. Mm. Tough to remember the dreams, I'd say. Definitely yeah. dreams. I don't. I feel like I'm one of those people, and I don't know if anyone else relates to this. I don't remember my dreams a lot, so same. I don't wake up and I go, also, "Man, what a crazy dream!" I don't want to. You know, we all have a tendency to look back um, with our at our you know our fondest memories with some rose colored glasses, sure, and sort of play them up a little bit. And I feel like having virtual reality where I could go back and relive my favorite memories might take away some of the magic from them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in that. You know what I mean? Like For I'd sure. Like the stuff that that's golden memories in my head to stay gold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather go dig through dreams. I think that'd be more interesting too because the virtual reality would give me a way to explore things that happen in the dreams that aren't possible in the real world. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a broader scope. Uh, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, I also feel like uh, a lot of the memories I would choose to relive, I would be annoyed that I chose to relive them. Like, why did I go back and watch this? This is terrible. This is yeah. a stupid thing for me to have gone back and watched. Uh, all right, that's very Black Mirror. That was a very Black Mirror-based question, I feel like. True. I've, I've seen both of those Black Mirror episodes where both of those things happen, I feel like. True. Uh, all right, so, uh, would you rather... This is an interesting one. Would you rather be invulnerable to accidental damage or invulnerable to intentional damage? This is a weird question. Basically, the idea would be... Accidental damage would be like if someone hits you with their car, you'd be fine, mm-hmm. right? So, in other words, accidental damage would be if something was an accident. I there were caveats to this when I found it on the internet, but yeah, for the most part, like I feel like accidental damage for me because I'm so clumsy. I don't feel like there's a lot of intentional damage coming my way these days. Fair. Um, accidental damage seems like the move, but then like that takes away so. If you're invulnerable to accidental damage, so you start living in a in a more riskier way, and then you do something like you fall off some crazy building because you're trying like parkour or something wild. Yeah, you didn't necessarily intend for that damage to happen, but that wasn't an accident that you made that jump either. So mm-hmm. I would have to see where it qualifies, but I would say probably accidentally seems like it would be more of an insurance policy. So I'd take that. You know what I mean? If I could uh, know for sure that I would never die in like a car crash and never accidentally drown in a riptide, that's okay. I like that. Yeah, the the Reddit commenters had a field day with this one. Uh, basically, the idea that they got, and I, I thought this was funny, uh, intentional damage. Invulnerability to intentional damage basically makes you a superhero because you can just spend your life being super cautious and being pretty aware and no one can screw with you, right? Like, no true. one... Um, true, that's true. Uh, but invulnerability to accidental damage would be tight if you're just a regular dude. Yeah. If you're just a regular person. That's my thing. I'm not interested in like, going and trying to be like a superhero. Like, I'll just take the... Certainly you know not. I mean? Yeah. So, accidental damage. All right, and finally, um, this one's I think, is kind of easy in retrospect now that I've looked at it. Uh, would you rather lose your driver's license for good or lose internet access for one year? Uh, it's a it, it's a weird question. It I yeah, because I get I get 
what you're saying. And my first, my knee-jerk reaction is going to take away the internet. Internet, right? You know what I mean? But then you actually think about the stuff, like, with no internet access, like, there's literally functions of my job. Job, yeah. That I wouldn't be able to do. And, like, so does that count, like, using the ATM at the bank? I guess not. That's technically if it runs on, like, a system, you know what I, I mean? Guess. Like, does it, what What really, could, does that does that also count, like, 4G, like, call coverage and text messaging? See, this was my problem with this question, because the original question was lose your phone for one year, but I'm like, well, that's easy, because there's other things Dog, I could, yeah, I, I, easy. You take my phone. Internet access. Take my yeah, phone. Yeah, take my phone. Please take my phone. Because then I'm thinking about it, because, like, when I said that one, I was like, well, there's so many things I could do without having a phone that I could find alternate things for. But then again, when you think about it, I know a lot of people don't have driver's licenses in general, and they're just fine. So who knows? That's an. It, I guess it is a more broad question than I gave it credit for initially. I feel like I'd take the the internet for a year anyway, though. Well, you could also. I mean, you could cleanse out your life. You could like take the license and then just move to like a uh, New York or someplace with public transit, and you don't even public really transit. need a license. True, you know I didn't have I mean? a license for a hot minute. I mean, well, you know. I had it. You did, but you didn't use it. So that's 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 a good one. All right, and uh, let's finish off with a couple overrated, underrated. Uh, both are film based, but in different reasons. Let's start with the first one: uh, overrated, underrated sports movies. Overrated. Yeah, yeah. Some people try to pass off sports movies as being good just because they're about sports. That's silly. I think a good sports movie is fine, but still, even the best sports movies I've seen don't hold a candle to the best drama movies I've seen. So. I, I thought about this because I watched Creed last week again. Rewatched Creed, uh-huh. um, and I liked Creed. It was a good sports movie. Yeah. But I sort of wonder how you make a sports movie now that's different than like the underdog story. I feel like you sort of run your course with the sports movies. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see is sort of a comedy sports movie, like a Major League or a Caddyshack. Well, where's that movie? We haven't seen that movie in a long time. We've already like, seen it. Right, but we see the same. We already seen Rocky a hundred times. Like we couldn't see another Caddyshack version somewhere. Maybe a good one somewhere along. Ah, don't remake Caddyshack. Certainly, I don't, don't want that yeah, to be said in the wrong way. Good, don't say maybe a good what's, one, as if to imply that Caddyshack's not a good movie. What's the last good funny sports movie? If you can think of one, good funny sports Happy Gilmore? movie. Nah, probably past that. Um, I'm trying to think though because like I feel like I miss a lot of movies. So there's gonna be somebody or there's gonna be something I don't say where people yeah. are like, well. Um, I mean, theoretically, you look at, you know, some of those Will Ferrell movies. Uh, kicking and Screaming. A lot of people, like, I, I don't think anybody besides you saw Kicking and Screaming, but, like, <laughs> a lot of people like Talladega Nights, uh, some of the people like The Blades of Glory. Uh, I thought Semi-Pro, where he was, like, the basketball oh, player. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good one. Was actually hilarious. Where's my Semi-Pro sequel? Give me that one. You know, but that was only, that was, like, not too many years ago. I'm trying to think of other, like, funny sports movies. I just feel like the sports movie cliche has sort of burned out a little bit. Like there's I think that people as a whole like and care about sports less. Bill Simmons actually had a really interesting point in his podcast about how because sports documentaries have gotten so good, uh, that's, another, that's a that's a great point. It's kind of hard to that's make a great point. Yeah, it's hard to make a fictional sports movie that's more interesting than a real documentary about something that actually happened. Well, because at the end of the day, sports only have they have a, a real ceiling for interest. Yeah. Like, there's only so many dramatics that can play out in a football game or a baseball game yeah. or whatever like that. You know what I mean? Uh, all right, good, good. So we're both going, are we both feeling overrated? Yeah. All right, both yeah, feeling yeah. over. All right, and last one, I'm going to skip the other one. We already sort of talked about it, but uh, this is sort of the same vibe I mentioned. I rewatched Creed this week. Overrated or underrated, Rewatching films and TV shows you've already seen. Underrated. Yeah. Like going back to visit an old friend. And also, we'll pop books in there. I know books are yep. the things made of paper where like, there's a story I've written. Oh, I don't know words. Um, but a lot of people tell me, like, oh, I don't hang on to books because once I've read it, what do I care? Like, I'm not going to go back and reread it. I've reread tons of books. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, 
And it's silly that people are like, oh, well, I've already seen this movie. Why would I watch it again? I don't know. You ever listen to a song more than once? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing. I, I said it uh, to Alyssa after we finished the interview and you were hanging around for it, but I, as a guy who finds fascin, I'm very fascinated by the process of creating uh, creative media, whether it's music or television mm-hmm. or movies. I find it very fascinating. Not so much the acting or like this, just the actual process of what needs to be done to make something look the way it does. Camera work, uh, dialogue, script writing, script supervision, like editing, all those kind of things are very fascinating to me. Yeah. And rewatches of movies and television shows, for me, especially something we've seen a bunch of times, Seinfeld, The Office, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, Archer, Arrested Development, things like that. You can watch shows like that and sort of gain insight from watching them. Like, this is funny, but why is this funny? This is interesting camera angle. That's interesting to me. I don't know if the layman who watches television cares about that kind of thing. Not all. But I think that's something that sort of appealed to me about rewatching stuff. And that's why I tend to re Also, there is just sort of a, fam- a, a nice familiarity with watching something you already know is going to happen in the outcome, right? That's why I rewatch all those old wrestling pay-per-views. I already know what happens in all of them. It's part of the narrative. It's interesting. All right. So good. We're both going underrated. Underrated on that, overrated on sports movies. Uh, Folks, thanks for joining us here on this first week of 2017. Shout out again to our guest this week, Alyssa Dibble. Follow her on Twitter at Larix underscore DeChemist, which is an outrageous Twitter handle. One of the more outrageous Twitter handles we've ever had on the show. Uh, Follow Kevin on Twitter at underscore Kevin Sullivan, or don't, it's all the same. Follow Mara at Mara Olivia with two A's and send her some get well soon tweets. Follow me at SF Doom, or don't, it's all the same. Uticast.com, Uticast at Gmail, uh, send us a letter. Uh, Get at us, folks. We will be back next week, hopefully feeling much, much better. All right. Cool. What? Yeah, so I was texting. Yeah, 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 bye. Thanks, everybody. Whoa. What? Uh, yeah.